You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, the Islanders have played four games since we last spoke. Two were wins, two were losses. Only one was really very good. <laughs> but uh, as Barry Trotz said after their game overtime win in Philly last night, uh, he's all about getting points. So they are definitely doing that. Um, but I think the grind of the season is starting to get to them and having an extra day off this week, uh, which for reasons we'll talk about in a second, I think will ultimately benefit them because they do kind of look a little tired out there. Yeah. I mean, they, they weren't going to win, uh, go nine and one every 10 games. So they, they, this was always coming in a little bit. And, and, um, I think the game against the flyers, the most recent game, which was, uh, God, what, I don't even know what day it is today. Monday or <laughs> Sunday. I don't know. I don't really know. It was know. Monday. It's weird for them to have games on yeah, Monday. Yeah, it was like a Monday For years, they never did. Yeah. Today's Tuesday. It was <laughs> right. Monday. Right. Okay. Now now I'm all square. Now I know where I am. Uh, yeah, so the Monday night win. I think that was actually a pretty important game when we look back to the season because it, it, it didn't allow things to kind of cross into the um, is it a skid territory. Uh, they, they nipped it in the bud. They got the two points. Uh, they get the days off now. Uh, and and it and it featured two performances. Uh, one one performance in particular that was one of the best individual performances of the season uh, from Ilya Sorokin, and then it was another goal from Oliver Wallstrom. Uh, so when, I just think when we look back at this game, a game that was very forgettable for sixty minutes outside of Sorokin. Um, when when we do look back, we're gonna say, well, that 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 win was probably important, like really important to the season. Uh, and and where they where they end up because if they had in, if they had lost or in especially in regulation uh, which I was I was <laughs> I was white knuckling through that that power play at the end there <laughs> uh, but uh, the, if they had lost this game in regulation like we're having a very different conversation so it's it's really it's really nice to be able to sit back relax and and as we're going to talk about this uh, on the show a lot like a, a lot is gonna I think there's a lot of stuff is gonna happen around the Islanders over the next few weeks. And, uh, it's, so it's, once again, it's like, we're, we're at the top of the stretch and we're in a good spot, uh, which is now three years running where where, we're, we're kind of in that spot. Yeah. We're going to spend the second half of the show talking about potential trade targets. Uh, it's a little early for that sort of thing. The trade deadline isn't until about April 12th, but, uh, with COVID protocols and quarantines being what they are, uh, I think there's going to be a bit of a jump on these things. And uh, 
we're, we're probably actually one of the last <laughs> podcasts to talk about it. But let's start with the games. And uh, we've already tipped it off. So let's start with last night's game, the, the latest one. Uh, the Islanders won 2-1 in overtime against the Flyers, their first overtime win of the season and the first overtime win in three tries against the Flyers this year uh, and even more going back to uh, last year's playoffs. Um, not a great game by the Islanders, if we're being honest. Uh, they were outshot for the game. Uh, something like, you know, 30 five to I think 16 or something like that. They did not have a lot of shots in the game. If you look at the underlying stats, it's something like a natural stat trick. Um, it was a little bit closer. A lot of those shots were not from high danger chances. Actually, the Islanders ended up with one more high danger chance than the Flyers did. Um, they, uh, the Islanders also had more scoring chances than the Flyers did, but shots wise, it was essentially all Flyers. They were throwing stuff at the Islanders from, you know, point shots and things like that. And so it was not a fun game to watch, but it was hands down the best Islanders game for Ilya Sorokin. He turned aside 36 saves. He Some of them were flat out spectacular. He made one, like you were saying on that, there was a power play just before the end. Game was tied um, at that point. Oliver Wallstrom had scored uh, about midway through the third period to tie it up. He stopped in front of the net, picked the puck up out of a scrum and and roofed it. And he's got seven goals, which is just super exciting. He sang a little bit on the bench, which is really cool. Um, and uh, yeah, the Flyers had a power play late. Nick Letty has taken, decided to take his second penalty of the season. And uh, you thought, all right, well, I guess this is where the luck runs out. But Sorokin was there. He, he had a, a couple of great saves there. He stopped uh, Nolan Patrick at one point. who was basically by himself in front. Uh, he had a couple of really you know, spectacular sort of sliding saves and he was great. And if it wasn't for him, the Islanders would not have won that game. Hands down. Anthony Beauvillier scored in overtime. There was the first overtime where the Islanders really had the puck the entire time and all the scoring chances. The Flyers had no shots on goal in the, in the overtime. The Islanders had four, which was the exact amount they had in the first period. So that tells you exactly how, many, how that game went. Um, and Beauvillier had a wraparound goal. If anybody out there played NHL, 94 or it's uh sister games you remember that move well because it works every single time and brian elliott apparently does not know the move well uh and he got bit by it um but that game bo's not in position to do that and the islanders aren't in position to take those two points without sorokin and i'll be honest like i try to think of the last time an islanders goalie just straight up stole a game and the closest i could come up with was early in trotz's first season before the team really kind of understood the structure and and the you know demands that they were going to be that were put on them, I think a I know what game you're going to say. I, th- I, I have it in my head. I, it's I'm, not I'm one excited. specific game, so okay. I mean, if I must be forgetting, but there were games early that part of the season where Robin Leonard and Thomas Grice just stole games, and people were like, "Oh, these guys—they're just getting by on goaltending. It won't last. It won't last." And then before you know it, the Islanders went on to the playoffs and a sweep and all that. What game? I, I can't remember a specific I was, I was, one. There was there was a game against. I, Pretty sure it was the Hurricanes at the end of the first month of the season in Trotz's first year. And I think Grice was just outrageous. Because I remember, I think I was watching at a bar uh, in Rockville Center with some Islander fan friends. And we were just like, this game is just not going to end up well. And and they just, it, it was probably like late October, early November uh, in, in this first season. But but I think the point you're making is, is funny because uh, we're... We're, those two guys got so much credit and, and well-deserved credit. Like Robin Leonard and Thomas Grice were superb that season, uh, took home some hardware, very deservingly so. But they were such a storyline for that season. It was last year, like um, Varlamov and Grice were, were were a little bit more vanilla, especially in the beginning. Then Varlamov was great in the bubble. Uh, and he's been really good this year. But he's just like, there's a little bit less attention. He's not as... um. He's not as much of like a lightning rod. And I say that as a term of endearment towards Leonard because we love him. But like he, he just is not as much of an attention grabber that Leonard was uh, that season. Because uh, the goaltending has been great. But you're right. Like there has that was definitely the first time where because the Islanders are, have been rarely barraged. You know, right. They've been, yeah, they so, don't they don't they don't play the kind of game where the goalie has to bail them out. That's why it was right. kind of weird to see that. <laughs> but it, I mean, that the, the save that I'm, I'm going to remember from Sorokin uh was and at first i didn't think it was going in i thought it was going to go wide uh but it was like a, a weird fluttering puck that he the puck was behind him when he reached back with it right. to, to save it with his glove uh and and he I, I it was just a weird shot and it was incredible because it was all reflex and all athleticism 
uh, and and I've, I've been saying like he's so operatic, like he he is like you're watching a symphony of this when this guy's playing goal, and you hear the noises, and he was like that save was just like you know it the Bellagio when all those fountains go off in the air or whatever and the music is playing. That's what that save kind of felt like to me in, in uh, watching it. It was just like, it, it was, there was some serious freak athleticism in that. And mm-hmm. I think what he's shown now, um, not only is he comfortable, but he's, he's also, I think he's now that he's, excuse me, now that he is comfortable, he's that athleticism that we've been told about that kind of, crazy IQ of being able to read where the shot's going to come from or where the last deflection is going to come from uh, is really shining through. And in the beginning of his tenure, I mean, he's won, what, eight straight games somehow? Yeah. Which is crazy because uh, it doesn't, it didn't feel like that because he, it, he's had a couple games where even recently, one, one against the Sabres and I think one against the Devils where he, he didn't play particularly great, but the Islanders won. Um, but now, like the past two starts, because his last start against the Flyers too, especially in the third, he was great. Uh, but he, uh, he he's like starting to shine through. And, and the thing is, like in the beginning of the year when he was struggling a little bit, people were like, well, you know, Igor Shosturkin did the same thing and he was able to kind of act, get used to the NHL right away. Like, no, he played in the AHL first. Like he never, he didn't, he, he also got a preseason. Like Sorokin right. came over, he played in a bubble which must have been the weirdest experience because he wasn't a part of like the ride really. He was there. Um, and then he came, you know, the, he stayed here or went back, then came back, quarantined, lived in the Marriott or whatever, and didn't get a preseason. And then was basically thrown to the fire against the Rangers when Cal Clutterbuck tried to decapitate uh, Simeon Varlamov. Like, so the guy just, he never really got the, the, the kind of red carpet rolled out like you would right. want for your prize goaltending prospect. To, to learn the angles, to, to understand like what it is like to ha- be in bu- trying to fish out a puck from an NHL scrum where you got, you know, crazy people like Jake Voracek trying to chop your wrist off. Like he didn't, he didn't get those opportunities in the preseason. And so you got to look at the first eight or nine games as his you know preseason or his AHL stint that he, sh- he was never afforded. Uh, and if this is, this is like incredible. If this is, if we just are getting glimpses of what this guy can be, because Oh boy, like he's fun to watch. He is so much fun to watch and he's so unassuming at the same time. And uh, his new pads are gorgeous too. Yeah. The new pads are really, really sweet. Um, Yeah. And his, his rebounds were better. Like any, any rebound was, was going to an Islander or going off into a corner. He didn't kind of like make himself um, more trouble, (laughs) so to speak, which had been a problem uh, earlier in his starts. And uh, yeah, he was just phenomenal. And uh again, he just straight up stole that game. And I, you know, I was sitting there thinking like, boy, I just I, you know, the Islanders just don't and I don't mean that as like a bad thing. Like they just they're never in a position to have that game kind of stolen, but you know, it's it's great for Sorokin. Apparently, Wallstrom was joking after the game that, you know, he's always talking about seeing more shots. Well, buddy, you got him. If you want to see more shots, you saw a lot of them last night and he he took care of, you know, for the mo- all of them almost. Um but, uh, you know, that, that's uh, that's not a criticism, but it also it's also kind of indicative of how this week went for the Islanders, where, like, that game was not a well-played game. Again, the, the numbers skew things a little bit, and if you look at the underlying stuff, it's a little bit closer, but they did not have a ton of urgency. A lot of plays were very, very soft. Like, they were just, you know, trying to kind of, like, you know, I, I, I don't know, like, trying to thread the needle through certain guys, and it just kept coming back. At one point, I was just rolling my eyes. Like, they just couldn't get out of their own zone. And it wasn't that they didn't have possession. They had plenty of possession. They just kept trying to like squeeze it through the laces on some flyer skates. And it just kept coming right back. And it's like, dude, don't, stop doing that. What are you doing? Like, stop trying to like, you know, toe pick through four guys and just get the puck on net or dump it in and go get it. And that was kind of how it went for two of the other three games this week, too. There was a game uh, in on last Monday, a week from yesterday, uh, where they, no, sorry, excuse me, a week from tonight, where they lost in Washington. They had one nine in a row going in and, you know, it's a tough test. First period was great. And then the Islanders were like, okay, that's enough. And they just stopped. And the, the, it was all caps for the second and third periods. Uh, they scored two in the second. Uh, TJ Oshie got a gift. And then uh, they scored early again in the third. Brock Nelson scored, and but the caps never let them have a chance. And so that was the end of that. A night later, they're playing the Flyers at home and the Flyers the night before it, of course, we all know by now got destroyed nine, nothing in the Rangers at the garden. And you thought, okay, well, you know, that, that 
streak was over. Now it's time to really take care of very vulnerable opponent. And they just didn't play well at all. Like they just from right from the jump, they had to kill a four minute penalty because Barzell decided to cross check somebody in the neck, which was a very strange choice. Uh, and it was three nothing Philly after two. And then they mounted a comeback. And then as soon as they had tied the game, uh, again, the, the Flyers took a lead like a minute later or so. Uh, Oscar Limbaugh with the second second goal. And so, you know, there was good things to take out of that game. But if you look at the whole, you're just like, man, these are the two games. These guys have played, you know, maybe two periods of hockey. That's not good. And uh, it was a very strange time. And then Saturday happened and they beat the Flyers 6-1. Complete game from top to bottom. It was 4 nothing Islanders in the blink of an eye. Casey Zekas had two goals. And I think everybody was just rooting for him to get that third. He had almost an entire game to do it. Um, and he just couldn't couldn't grab it. He had chances. He just couldn't get it. But uh, that was probably one of their most complete games of the entire season. They just The Flyers had nothing at any point. They had four shots on goal, I think, in the third period, which is, you know, when you're down – four goals at that point. There's not much you can do. And then the Islanders got two gift goals after that. Carter Hart and the Flyers D just conspired to just literally hand Beauvillier and Bailey goals. Um, so of the four games this week, really only one was what you would consider a complete game. One had to be stolen by a goalie, which is why I said what I said at the top. Like these guys look tired. I was watching Barzell yesterday and he might've been at the end of a long shift. I don't know, but he just looked tired. And like, we've seen Barzell now a lot and we know what he looks like when he's on. And he just wasn't on. And I know Leo Komarov was playing on his wing, so there could have been that. But, you know, we're getting into this is, you know, they only have about 23 games left. And so this is sort of like the dog days of the season. Um, and it's not time for a letdown. So as cool as it was to see Sorokin steal that game, uh, this is three games in a row now or, you know, three out of four games where they just haven't played that well. And I'm hoping that the day off that they got from today, they were supposed to be playing right now, but the Bruins – uh, had f- enough a number of guys on the COVID protocol list. Game got canceled. Thursday's game in Boston, we still don't know. Uh, they're going to try and practice tomorrow. I guess we'll hear from them then if it's safe. Noah Dobson is still on the COVID list, so it's happening now. But you know, one small tiny silver lining is that they get a day off, and boy, it looks like they they need it uh, because uh, schedule's not getting any easier from here on out. There are some extenuating circumstances that are making them look a little bit more fatigued. Uh, and I think we're, we're definitely starting to see uh, the effects of not having a, a first line that can carry the bulk of the um, offensive gusto uh, for sure, because we're that having, having Lee Barzell and Eberle playing in the form that they were all season, that takes off so much of a burden from the guys down the roster and it, and it just makes life so much easier. Uh, but without them, obviously you're going to, be leaning on stuff and and the Leo Komarov thing is just I mean it's just at this point like it is what it is right like we we know the Islanders have Leo Komarov and they're gonna have Leo Komarov for whatever for maybe forever who knows uh and so you just you just gotta kind of like live to and and I I was this is a little hypocritical because in the beginning of the year I was getting so mad especially during that that Washington series where he single-handedly could, could end up costing the Islanders division. If you know, the two point, the four points that he handed Washington end up being the difference. But uh, at the, at this point, you just kind of just got to like sit back and laugh. Cause like you being angry about Leo Kamara being on the first line, isn't going to change anything. Uh, And, and it's, it's unfortunate because what the Islanders need is a, a, a play on that line as a player with much more, gravity than leo has uh he, he's got a lot of levity they need gravity right they, they need someone who can kind of suck up suck up the, the resources of the defenders and, and create space and leo doesn't do that he he took an islanders three on two yes an islanders three on two and then turned it into a two on two just by like deserting the three on two yesterday which i just have <laughs> never ever seen i don't know if I, I just don't know where he was going um sometimes it feels like he's just playing without a stick too he, he like he just doesn't need one. He just he just like goes out and just like buzzes around the ice and doesn't ever touch the puck. So it's like he doesn't even need the stick. He just is doing his own thing, whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean the, the the games did they looked ugly. That the the one game that wasn't ugly. And when you're when you're rooting for a team like the Islanders right now, like in the regular season, when you right now like they look like they're gonna make the playoffs, you you got to kind of like embrace the moments. And, and the the moment on Saturday was amazing with. Um, Thomas Hickey uh, playing. Yeah. So like that, I mean, we've, 
we've said it for so long. Like the Islanders, I don't, we just don't understand why people don't root for them because they are, they should be a likable team on the surface. Like you said, like when the Islanders win, like Greg Wyshynski always said that there should be an Islanders nostalgia boom or whatever. Um, and there just never has been, but it was nice to see people who were paying attention to like Thomas Hickey on Saturday night. Cause um, yeah, that was, that was a, a moment of the season too, that like you'll look back on. Um, and it just, it felt a little surreal, honestly, like for me and probably for a lot of fans. So I can't imagine what it felt like for him. Uh, just to like see him out there wearing number 34, playing well, like he hadn't missed a beat. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, there's not really much else you could say. Like everybody after the game kind of just soaked it up and like, you know, saw what he said and he, he said some really heavy emotional stuff and it's like, wow. Like, yeah, like yeah. That, that's uh, our guy. Like good. How, he, the, the fact that he stuck with this team and like rolled with the punches and never, um, you know, seemed never really seemed to like make a peep. Think like mm. Sam Bennett requested a trade. Uh, like all these guys request trades, and um, yes, every I guess everybody's life is different and whatever. But the fact that like Thomas Hickey and Sebastian Aho, and and I know Sebastian Aho doesn't have like the the power or the leverage to do that. I mean, he could. I mean, if if some of the players are requesting trades, sometimes are ridiculous. But like the fact that those two guys didn't, and like are kind of just like sticking with the program, and Hickey especially, who who could be an asset to a team that that like the Red Wings or Senators who who have these young players. The fact that they didn't just kind of tells you more and more about this, or like the where where this organization is uh, in this regime, uh, and the like the respect that these players have for it. Because the fact that these guys kind of came in after years, literal years of not playing, uh, and and just d- did their thing was was kind of awe inspiring, especially especially Hickey. Yeah, uh, you know, Trot said afterwards. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for the most positives from the last week, the, the four points are obviously huge. Um, Wallstrom is, he has been great. Sorokin has been great. But, I mean, number one, if we're being honest, is the Hickey story because it's great seeing him out there again. Um, my favorite thing, and, I mean, we've said this uh, probably 100 times on this very podcast, he's a guy, he's just a smart, like, eloquent guy. And he just, I, you know, when he the way he explains the game – in intermission interviews, you know, normally those things are kind of just like some out of breath player talks about like, you know, wanting it more than the other team or whatever. But like Hickey always gets into, you know, why a play happened. He's good at breaking stuff down. He's a smart dude. And it was nice to hear him after a game talk about the game and talk about, like like you said, the emotional toll, the things he's been going through, the, the passing of his brother, unfortunately, the concussion, losing his spot, playing in the AHL you know, more injuries. It's been rough. And for him to be out there playing well, team one, uh, and he's just a hugely liked member of the team. And Trotz was saying that everybody in the room loves him. They're pulling for him. And, you know, I think that's what it comes down to. I know it's such a cliche, but like, this is a very tight knit group and they pull for each other, even when they're not playing. And, you know, even going back to the bubble, like you mentioned before with Sorokin, like, it certainly didn't sound like they were like, you know, not that we would know because we weren't there, but like it doesn't sound like they were kind of like ostracizing him or he was like, you know, taking his time to like kind of get and get his feet wet. He was in the ping pong tournament. He was with everybody. You know, I mean, Pajot had barely been green had barely been on the team at that point, too. And they're all kind of they're all in. They're all ready to, to, to you know, play for each other. So uh, it was cool seeing Hickey out there. I to me, I, I would like to see him get more time. Uh, when Dobson hopefully comes back, I mean, he, getting off the protocol, he's been on the protocol this now for over a week. So even if he gets, oh, I know the, the dude is 20 years old. He's probably fitter than you or I, or most of the people listening to this. But, you know, when he comes off of that COVID list, he's not going to just jump right onto the ice. Like he's going to need time to recover. I think we're going to see more of Hickey. Um, and I think, you know, even when Noah can come back, I, I don't see why Hickey wouldn't play. Although, you know, there's always handed stuff, but he hasn't really lost a step. He looked like he's supposed to look and, and it was cool to see. And yeah, I think, you know, he, he wants to be here. These are his friends. They've been his, he's been here for, you know, whatever, six or seven years. And it was cool to see him out there. It was weird seeing him with a different number though. I got to, and I gotta be honest, like I don't, you know, read the lineups and I, for a few minutes, I was like, what the hell number is he wearing out there? Cause I'm like, Oh, there's not four and there's no 14. What is going on? Oh, and it's like, oh, 34. Oh, all right. And I was like, oh, that's that's the old Berard number, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, I mean, I, I said after the game, like, I, th- like, that game really did have a profound impact. Like, I mean, it, it just, 
in the moment. I was like, I kind of want a Thomas Hickey 34 number, you know, jersey now. Um, it, it was weird, especially weird because Green was wearing four. Uh, and right. uh, so, like, it just, you know, you're like, oh, is that Hickey or Green? And, and they do. And they're just they're two, not... two so different players, too. Yeah. Right? You're right. <laughs> they, they, they definitely approach the game the same way, which is, you know, being smart and, and leaning into that. But, yeah, they, they do not, you know, look the same on the ice for sure. Yeah. Um, it it, it kind of reminded me of when Radic Martinek was wearing four too. Like he went, mm-hmm. he went from twenty four to four when he came back. The when they resurrected him that one <laughs> for, for a little <laughs> while. Um, but uh, you know, like it was just like took a little getting used to. But once you did, it, it was you know it was fun to watch uh, mm-hmm. him play. And I I was saying this to my buddy Mike earlier today. Like I don't remember, and I might be wrong, but I don't remember Hick- when Hickey left the lineup. I know it was an injury. But even before that injury, and I know people were clamoring for Taves to play because we were very excited for him. He was going to be the shiny new toy. Hickey never really like cratered. His game never really went away. He just happened to get hurt, and that was the end of it. Basically, I just like you know he was never he was never bad. I don't think, mm. at least no. in my memory. Like so that's and and him playing this well kind of like alleviates a little bit of a burden on on Lamarillo, and we'll talk in the in the next section about that. Like you know, the Islanders now have a, a what looks like a, a reliable seventh defenseman and. Aho wasn't great against the Flyers, but he he was, uh, and, and I think it was that the game he scored in actually he he didn't play great in his own zone, um, but he he looked fine. Like it's not like he was going to cost them. It didn't look like he was going to cost you know, the Islanders games, and uh, which is fine. So they have it's not a pressing pressing need if Thomas Hickey plays like that uh, for the next couple of games here because that 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 was something that that I I would have thought they would want to address, but. They might not need to, which which is good, you know, because they're going to need to save up the capital that they're going to need to make a trade elsewhere. So, uh, yeah, that, I mean, good on you, Thomas Hickey, huh? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they'll be better with Dobson. And, uh, you know, Green has looked a bit off since Dobson hasn't been on the ice. And I, I was like, we just said uh, the last couple of games, they haven't quite looked themselves, but. Uh, that might be due to fatigue, not necessarily, uh, you know, Dobson being out of lineup, but uh, that's a good segue. So let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side and we'll talk about some trade targets and some uh, trade proposals, some of which uh, are from other dimensions, I think. I'm not sure. So we'll, we'll look into them uh, when we come back on the other side. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. Uh, There's a new jersey on the horizon, New Haven Blades. It looks pretty sweet. So take a look over there. They also have our our Al Arbor t-shirts, which you can get. Uh, an hour portion of which goes directly to the Center for Dementia Research. So uh, go to VintageIceHockey.com and use the code Lighthouse15 and you can save yourself 15%. VintageIceHockey.com. Uh, okay, well, so... The New Haven Blades... Sorry to interrupt. The New Haven Blades weren't... They, I know the Islanders had a minor league team in New Haven, right? Didn't they? And I don't they think were, was, wasn't that the Beast of New Haven? The Beast of New Haven. That's yeah. what it was called. I was remember they had... That, a, yeah. That's a classic. And I, I think there might be some Beast of New Haven stuff at the the site too you should check it out yeah. if not i'm sure kevin is working on it great, that great was piece. a legendary <laughs> yeah, new haven's an interesting place man i got um, emily used to work at uh yale new haven hospital and in, in there you are and it's like first of all i mean the pizza there is astounding we, we're, we're you and me everybody most people listening to this podcast we're very blessed to list to live in the pizza belt like when people ask me what was your favorite place to eat pizza on long island I'm like you, you can just close your eyes and walk into one and it, you'll be fine. Like it's not, um, 
it's not a big deal. Uh, and the same, same goes, I think New Jersey and the city for mo- for the most part. And, and New Haven is the same way. There's just some, some great pizza up there, but anyways. Yeah. Uh, actually a very rich, uh, hockey and pizza history in New, in New Haven. So and hamburgers, the birthplace of the hamburger too. Oh, right. Yeah. Cause of Yale. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. That's true. I've heard that. So that my favorite food to eat, the hamburger, <laughs> even, even more than pizza. So, uh, but yeah, beast of New Haven. If you have never seen the Beast of New Haven logo, check it out. Uh, it's got some fluorescent green in there. It's like a gargoyle. It's pretty awesome. Uh, so um, the NHL trade deadline this year is April 12th. And uh, this is not a normal year. Uh, obviously, there's you know quarantines and, and protocols in place, depending on what state people are in and things like that. And so I think it's right. We're right to assume that there might be some deals happening a little bit earlier this year. Uh, if there's going to be any deals at all, uh, Arthur Staple and AJ Malesko already talked about <laughs> potential deals on No Sleep Till Belmont. But Arthur, actually, just before we came on, uh, posted an article about, um, you know, trade proposals, kind of like the Athletic does this thing where it's like, who says no? Uh, and, you know, people send in their trade proposals and, and uh, you know, he talks to a couple of executives and he says, you know, kind of gets their take on things. Um I was joking about this before this week, and I think I, I, I you know, as happens on Twitter a lot, it got misconstrued. When I said that Lou is always the person who says no in these situations, I meant it's because I don't think he like takes kindly to people being like, I got a great idea. You should trade these two guys. Like, he don't do that. Like, if you see Lou at a bagel shop or a restaurant, please don't run up to him and like offer him, you know, your best Philip Forsberg trade proposal because you will get removed by security. Like, don't do that. And so I really just feel like a lot of these are just kind of like, you know, riffing out in the wind. Um, I'll be honest, I'm sure a lot of people that sent these in probably listen to this show. Some of these trade proposals are really bad. Um, and I don't, and they weren't going to have, I don't have to be an executive to tell you that some of the, you know, Nobody's taking Lad Komarov and and uh, you know a third round pick for Philip Forsberg or whatever it is, but I think some of these guys here do have potential, and uh, we'll talk. We'll start with the the obvious ones: it's Kyle Palmieri, Taylor Hall. These guys are on teams that aren't going to the playoffs. Uh, Hall in particular. I mean that the Sabers are just complete a complete. Uh, shit show from from the, the, the get go. They fired their coach. No, everybody stinks. Hall stinks. You know the, the thing about Taylor Hall is he has less. He has the same amount. Yeah, no, he has less goals right now than Noah Dobson does. Like <laughs> Hall right now, people. Yeah, the funny thing about this trade uh, article is that almost all of them have Anthony Beauvillier in it. He has four goals. Taylor Hall has two. Like, what are we trading here? I just <laughs> and the other thing about Hall too is now now I'm just kind of off on a ramp. But like I was thinking about this. So people are like, oh Taylor Hall, he's so great. He's so great. It'd be the perfect addition. And he would be like, I'm not saying that the Islanders shouldn't go out and get Taylor Hall. Here's the thing that kind of bothers me about him. So he had a bunch of good years in, in Edmonton, all you know, 20, 20 or more goals. That's great. He gets traded to Jersey. His first year was very mediocre. He had a whole like heart to heart with John Hines. Next year wins the MVP was fantastic. It was a machine that year. The next year he was hurt, not a good season. And then the next year he was there for half the season. And he got traded. He goes to Arizona, was not good. He's in Buffalo. He is not good. Again, I'm not saying the Islanders shouldn't try and get Taylor Hall because he probably could help, but I don't know what Taylor Hall they'd be getting. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if he's a slam dunk kind of addition that people are kind of making him out to be, but maybe that's just me. I think it's going to depend on the fit, right? with with him because he can he he might go to a team and, and just be great uh but he i could also see him going to a team and just not fitting into the the system or whatever and, and i like to think that the islanders would be pretty a good place for him and maybe this is just me convincing myself to, to get him <laughs> on the team but like just because you're if if lou lamarillo and barry trotz go get taylor hall it's because they think he would work and i trust them to to think that right so if if he ends up coming, if Kyle Palmieri ends up coming, you know whoever it is, like this this it was a decision made by these two guys who Barry Strats more so than Lamarillo, like have have really earned uh, the benefit of the doubt uh, to make these moves. So that's that's my thinking at least. And and he's he, he, the good thing about it is like you can't be getting Taylor Hall at a at a cheaper time than you are right now. Like the Sabers. What they did was a little bit shrewd, which was sign him to a one-year deal. If things go south, and then you can probably, you know, recoup a lot. 
by trading Taylor Taylor Hall at the trade deadline. Uh, well, of course, with it being the Sabers, that that plan, which was well thought out and probably you know good good management, blew, even blew up in their face. So, hmm. like, the, I, who knows what the cost is going to be? Because sure, you're gonna you you're gonna be paying. You're not going to be paying for whatever 2018 MVP Taylor Hall, but you're also not going to be paying for uh, this this version of Taylor Hall. It'll be some, but I think it'll be closer to this version. So I don't think the price is going to be crazy. Um, and and his his game like. Well, what the Islanders need, and I said this before about Comrade, like Anders Lee is like a, a planet on on the ice. He he just has this crazy pull because of his size and his forechecking ability, the the chaos he creates in front of the net. He's just so hard to deal with. Um, you know, if you have that guy leaning against you against the boards, like he's he's a huge dude. Uh, like that just he takes up a lot of effort and space and wears people down, uh, which makes life easy for Barzell and 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 not not to mention Everly, who who's who's when he has space to operate is great. Like when he's coming off the boards and can, can stick handle uh, in on goal, like he, he, we see what he can do. Uh, but they need, they need a player, I think like that. And, and there are, and Hall, I think is like, is he's not a, a, a like for like switch for Andrews Lee. There's very few people who are, uh, but he, he's will, um, he will require attention from defenses. Cause he's, he's obviously a, a high end talent. So for that reason, it's it's a great trade, and I wouldn't mind. But as as we've said on the show before, um, I think way, the way fans look at things are like, I want this guy; he he'd be great, whatever. But when you're dealing with the Islanders and, and Lou Lamarillo, you need to basically put yourself outside of the out of the equation, <laughs> and you need to think as best you can, like Lamarillo does, which is is very different from everyone else. So it's like you you, you need to figure out who who is this guy's zero, what he what he values what he thinks like this team is all about, like the, the ethos of this team and uh, like will this person fit into the culture? And, and I just don't know uh, what, what he would think about Taylor Hall at this point. Um, so that's, that's, it's, it is an interesting question. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that, that is, that is, and maybe, I mean, maybe it is about fit and usage. Um, but then at the same time, like I said, you know, his, his best season, his literally MVP season came when he just kind of did everything for the Devils. So I wonder if maybe that's the best fit for him. But you know, he's really not doing everything for the Sabers right now. Um, and, but you're you're all right about like the cost is probably pretty cheap because at this point now we've heard stories that Hall likes Buffalo. Maybe he wants to stay there, and it's entirely possible. Um, but you know, I think at this point the Sabers would happily take anything and. You know, I don't think it would even cost a first round pick, although, uh, you know, they could jack up the price, whatever they want. I did have this thought, though, and I thought you'd appreciate this. Like, so Kevin Adams is general manager of the Sabres. It's his first year. And I I just I kind of get a feeling and I I wouldn't be surprised if this happened. And obviously, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I could just kind of picture this happening where. You know, he he's going into this trade down and saying, OK, well, I can I can cash in Taylor Hall. I can get myself a bunch of picks and prospects. And, you know, he holds out for like a first or like some company has a really good prospect. And maybe he takes a bunch of calls and he's, you know, keeps trying to like haggle with these guys. And then before you know it, it's trade deadline and everybody's moved on. And whatever the 2020 equivalent of Sebastian Kohlberg and a third round pick ends up getting traded for Taylor Hall. And everybody sits <laughs> around going. What the hell just happened? Obviously, longtime listeners will remember that was the package Islanders, the package, quote unquote, that the Islanders <laughs> got for Thomas Vanek from the Canadians that year that they had to dump him. And like, I just, it feels like this situation where like he could accidentally just overplay his hand, outweigh his market, and then get, you know, not a ton for this guy who really should probably get you something, at least something tangible, at least, you know, a, a pick higher than. Three, I guess. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, you, it, that's the thing with Hall. It's like there's so much to, to unpack with the Sabers being the one. Like you're, you're dealing with the most inept organization right now against Lou Lamarillo and the Islanders. Who and so like and and a player who also like his value is is definitely in question. He definitely makes a team better. So the Islanders would need to give something up. Uh, but yeah, I I just I as much I I think like. You know, I, I would love Taylor. Like I said, I would love Taylor Hall to be on the Islanders. I just think in my head, uh, tr- you know, trying to th- think of figure out like what the Islanders are looking for. I just feel like he's going to end up elsewhere. And, and that might be back in Buffalo um, where he says he, he loves um, whether you believe him. And it's like it's, it's not everybody is Ilya Brzgalov and Chris Pronger when when you know, Brzgalov is like, it's 
freaking freezing in Edmonton. That's why he doesn't like it. Why you have to be mad? Like this is <laughs> this is this. No one's gonna say stuff like that. Uh, so, um, but hell, you know, if, if Taylor Hall reups in Buffalo, uh, something tells me that contract will be a, a disaster for them too. Uh, <laughs> you know, down the line. But I, I, if you're if you're asking me, like, I, I think he'll end up getting traded. Yes, I just I have a feeling the Islanders end up with somebody else, um, which is probably a good sign if you want Taylor Hall and because then he'll he'll be on the Islanders in four hours (laughs) so so well let's talk about guys that aren't Taylor Hall so you mentioned Kyle Palmieri before another UFA um you know I don't know what the Devils want he's a guy if you if we've been hearing you know stories about Hall wanting to re-up in Buffalo we're definitely hearing things about Kyle Palmieri wanting to re-up with the Devils and you know I I don't see why he wouldn't I could totally see that happening um I could see him getting traded to the Islanders and then signing with the Rangers in the off season. Cause that's just how it goes sometimes with these teams. So uh, I, I don't know. He, he was born on the Island. He grew up in Jersey. As far as I know, um, I, I, he's a guy, I just, I don't know. I don't picture him leaving anywhere. I don't think he would be a good pickup for the Islanders. I've been a fan of his for a long time. I just, I don't know. I just, I can't see it. I think he makes sense. I think probably the devils could get something, but I think at the end of the day, they, they're probably just as soon uh resign him um one thing we should mention though and the reason that we can talk about guys coming to the islanders is because uh of anders lee being on long-term injured reserve uh it's we believe it's a it's a, a acl injury uh oh yeah he said it was an acl injury but he's gonna need surgery and he's gonna be out long term like he ain't coming back probably even for the playoffs so with because of that the islanders have him on long-term injured reserve and it means that they can use his cap hit uh to fill in the gaps, much like they did with Johnny Boychuk earlier. So you can, you know, I think they have over $7 million now, basically that they can kind of play with, which opens up a lot of possibilities. Now, the problem is that once Lee comes back and he's got six more years left on this deal, um, those guys aren't going to fit under the cap. So the UFAs make the most sense because you can trade probably won't cost you much, get that guy, bring him in here for the playoffs. And then, well, if he walks, he walks and then you're, you don't have to worry about paying him, and you just, pop Lee back into his old spot. So guys like Hall and Palmieri are going to be at the top of the list. Um, There are a couple of other guys that are, that have term that I don't think are coming here. Philip Forsberg is one. I I just, I can't see it happening. Ricard Raquel, Sam, Sam Reinhardt, Sam Bennett, like Sam Bennett's not what they need, but like you said before, he, he, you know, uh, requested a trade. Um, I just, I can't see them getting anybody with term, like unless it's some kind of big blockbuster move, where maybe they do shed a lad and a Komarov and some kind of miracle from God. Uh, I can see that happening. I cannot see them trading Anthony Beauvillier. And I, and like literally all of these things on Arthur's article here talk about trading Bo. I can't see it. I just, you know, he kills penalties. He gets along with everybody. He's been here. He's only 23, right? Or 24 years old, not even 24 years old. He's BFFs with your best player. He's BFFs with his center. Everybody loves Bo. I get it. He's streaky. He's tiny. He goes for a week sometimes without doing anything, but he's just, I don't see why they would trade him. I just don't, you know, a lot of these trade proposals are for him, for a guy who's kind of almost the same thing, only older and more expensive. Yeah. Like, like I think at this point I would rather have uh Beauvillier than, you know, I think Victor Arvidsson's a great little player, but yeah. like, I would much rather have the guy who's been in the system and knows it and has performed in big moments for this team. Right. Uh, than anyone else. I, I I would actually be a little disappointed if, uh, unless it's like something bananas where like they, they get someone <laughs> incredible out of nowhere, uh, you know, that like Johnny Gaudreau or something crazy, like that if they, if they lost uh, Beauvillier, because they, they should just be, a, this team should just be adding. They shouldn't be deleting anything. Like Anthony Beauvillier is a very good player. He's a great middle six wing. He can do a lot of different things for you. Like they, they should just be adding somebody uh, and they should they should not be like deleting anybody, you know. Maybe aside from like the Kiefer Bellows or, or Sebastian Ajos of the world, um, <laughs> like, they, like right. fringe players, whatever. But like Anthony Beauvillier should not not, not be leaving this team. Uh, yeah. I, I I just it would be a little disappointing. I, um, the, the, the the names like we I think it, it, that's the thing. Like I, I know Elliot Friedman said this on Thirty One Thoughts. Like they're gonna. I think what I'm hoping for because a lot of the name like I, I wouldn't mind Paul Mary. Uh, his his actual numbers aren't great but if you look below he's below his like surface level uh stats like they're they're he's been pretty good he just isn't i think his shooting percentage is a career low or whatever but um 
I wouldn't mind either of them. I don't think like the needle mover, uh, he's, he, he wouldn't be the needle mover that people would, you know, clamor for, I guess, compared to Hall. He's just not as sexy a name, but I think he'd maybe be equally as, as effective, uh, as, as Hall would be with this team. And like Michael Grant, Grandland, who, who, for some reason, people don't realize he's, he's really good in front of the net. He's not a big, big guy, but he's, he's nifty, uh, in front of the net. He's, uh, he's a good four checker too. So he's, he's someone that I could see fitting in well, but I just, I, you know, I really do wonder like if we, I, I could see it going a couple different ways where like Lou goes for somebody like Milton, I'm, this isn't going to ever happen, but like a Milan Lucic type, right? Like a guy who's got the, the, the ring on his finger, who's a character guy who people love to say is grit and makes everybody, you know, he's grit personified and makes everybody on Islander Twitter, like freak out and want to fire Lou again. Uh, or, or, you know, he goes for, uh, you know, the home run guys like, like the Philip Forsberg, or it's going to be someone we see like that we've been seeing on these lists. Now, every day you wake, you wake up, you, you refresh Twitter to see if the Islanders have traded for Taylor Hall or Kyle Primary or Nick Foligno. But like, it's so it's, it, it, it's fun to be in the situation again. And, uh, it's, it's two years in a row now that the Islanders are, are holding some, some heavy, uh, cards at, at the table at the trade deadline. And, I do, I do wonder about the defense. And one defenseman that just like pops into my mind, and this is just somebody who I've always wanted for a couple of reasons. One, because I, you know, I like him as a player. Uh, he's not, he's, he's past his prime, uh, and would be nothing more than like a seventh or eighth defenseman. But it would bring closure to the uh, Alex Carpetsev trade, which so Nicholas Jalmerson, because wow. when, when they traded Carpetsev for <laughs> to the, from they got when they traded for Carpetsev from the Blackhawks, that was a pick. Uh, Jarmelson was the pick uh, that Blackhawks used in that trade. So that would be nice. Some closure. Some closure there would be nice. Um, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. Wow. How about that? Yeah. Um, but like, I, I could see like stuff like that. But yeah, we, we've listed them all. Like, it's it's an exciting time. But who knows? Like, now everyone's talking about Dustin Brown, too. Like, it's. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Friedman threw Dustin Brown's name out. Yeah, there would he be like the guy guess. that you, you would make you the most mad if the Islanders traded for him? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, not a huge fan. I know he's having a great year. Um, he's thirty six. He's making a lot of dough, and he's another guy with another year on his contract. So I just can't see it happening. Um, the other thing about Beauvillier, before I, I forgot, before he's an RFA at the end of the year, so they are going to need to sign up to a new contract. I do feel like they could get him under. Um, and I think a lot of the kind of worry about getting him under revolves around getting rid of some guys who are taking up cap space. And so I think it's less about getting rid of Bo and cashing out on him than maybe trying to move some of these guys or whatever that they can't move and just, I don't know, trying to make something work. Um, that's just, I don't know. That's probably, again, me being too hopeful, but <laughs> I just I don't, I don't want to get rid of Bo. I just like him too much. Um, but I'm going to throw a couple of names out there that I think people aren't thinking about, and they, they they show up a little bit on Arthur's list. But I think there's there's a couple out there that make that are also kind of possibles because they're under the radar, and I don't think Lou has has things people are watching them. Oh, Nick Foligno was another one, by the way, another UFA, but all of a sudden the blue jackets have put together a bunch of wins and they're back in the playoff hunt. So I would cross Foligno off the list. He also probably is going to stay in Columbus. Um, the first guy I think about is Ryan Getzlaff. Now UFA is making a lot of dough, but you know, you're looking at a guy who's been in the league for 15 years. He's been the captain. He did win a Stanley cup when he was young and he had hair. Um, and I do feel like he, and Lee can kind of he can kind of be a little bit analog to Lee. I think he can play on the first line with Barzell and Eberly. He's huge. He's like a massive guy. So he does play that sort of spot. He's not afraid to stand in front of the net. Um, his numbers aren't great, but again, he's kind of older. And I also think though that they can get him pretty cheap and bring him over. And if he walks at the end of the year, well, and it costs you, you know, a third rounder or a second rounder, I think that would that would probably be a price to pay and, and it would uh it would be good for us because that would provide us with you know years of calls callbacks to the remember when ryan Getzlaff was on the islanders for, for, yeah for, oh for, no for totally oh to yeah come. he would be a 100 percent all-time like you know you see the jersey out there and you're like oh shit i completely forgot about that guy um the other benefit to uh, acquiring Getzlaff is you wouldn't need to worry about him getting a haircut because he has no hair so there you go works out for everybody um, but yeah, I just feel like, you know, the Ducks aren't going anywhere. Like the Ducks need 
help. <laughs> they need help. They have like really two good players right now. And uh, one of them is not Kevin Shattenkirk, who uh, actually grew up a huge Ducks fan in New Rochelle, New York. I don't know if anybody knew that. Um, that's a joke. Anyway, so he's one guy I think that's kind of an out-of-the-box choice. Another guy, and uh, I, I put this into uh, the, the athletic thing, but I don't know if Art didn't see it or it was too stupid and he didn't care. Probably a little bit of both. Um, Andrew Cogliano is a guy who's playing for the for Dallas. He's been with Dallas for a long time. Another UFA. Um, numbers aren't really great, but I feel like he can play sort of the third-line wing spot a little bit better. He's not a first-line player, but I feel like he can – Probably take this sort of depth spot, which would allow Barry Trotz to move guys like a Wallstrom or Beauvillier up to the top line in place of Lee. Uh, and maybe, you know, get a little bit of traction that way. Again, you know, say let's say he puts Beauvillier on that line with Barzell and Everly. Like, obviously, Beauvillier and Lee are two completely different players, but at least those guys know each other. And I feel like they can find the chemistry and make it work. And then you slot Cogliano in a line with Pajot, and it would also probably work. Um, I can't imagine he would cost more than a fourth round pick, <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't think he's going to stay in Dallas. I, I think, you know. I think the Islanders are going to like shop in that area too. Just, just for, for depth reasons, like, like Blake Combe, two, two. Old yeah. Como like a good Blake one Como too. Yeah. And, and big game brass, like Derek Broussard. Mm. Like if, if the Islanders traded a six round pick, a fifth, whatever pick for Derek Broussard to come back and just be uh, a plug and play bottom six winger for this team, I'd be thrilled. I mean, I, I, I mean, and I, and I think so would a lot of the players on the team because he seemed to be pretty popular, especially among um, the uh, the French Canadian contingent on the Islanders. So, like, it's it's it. it I, I don't I don't think that uh, it, it might not necessarily be those guys, but I think that where originally that was probably originally where the Islanders were going to make their only move if they made one in the trade deadline, which is in that like bottom uh, six wing role, the Sam Gagner types. Uh, but now, obviously, with the Lee thing, people are kind of just forgetting about that. But that's still kind of a need because they you're, you're going to need we, – we, you see it all the time in the playoffs. So players get hurt. and uh, You're going to need guys to fill in. Uh, Carter Verhage basically earned himself a, uh, a, a big contract and, and is paying off really well with the way he played in the bubble. And he wasn't you know an everyday player. Like You need guys like that. The Lightning showed us, showed us how important – players like that, that that are going to need to play could could end up playing like 13 14 games in a playoff run uh, are and Derek Broussard is fits that bill and um, obviously Como and Cogliano do too because they were in the Stanley they Cup last year yeah. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, uh, exactly. so it's like like Sam Gagne and um you know even Bobby Ryan to some extent like those those kind of players are are going to be sought after too and and so don't you know don't freak out when uh, the Islanders maybe make a trade for someone like like one of those guys before making a yeah. splash if they do. Yeah, I, yeah, I forgot about Ryan. You know, his best days are behind him. Uh, he had a kind of super hot star for Detroit and has cooled down <laughs> considerably. But yeah, I could see him too. And I think yeah, what, what we're trying to get at is I I feel like the the targets are a little bit lower on the pecking order. Like Hall, Palmieri, those are sort of even Grandland like are, are kind of like the biggest fish out there. And I think that that's my, I mean, you know, it's, it's maybe the Islanders go there, but like, I just, I feel like between their salary cap situation, the amount of assets that they can expend, because let's face it, nobody wants what they're selling outside of, you know, first round pick. They have the extra second next year. So maybe they can make that work. Those are the two best assets that they have. Like, you, you know, people like including Kiefer Bellows in nature. Okay people really aren't going to want Kiefer Bellows. Like he's a nice player. He's had a couple of nice games, but like, I don't see him going in any of these sort of like, you know, blockbuster win now moves. He's so, not, yeah. He's not going to be the, the centerpiece of the trade where right? the, Islanders, right. the Islanders centerpiece of a trade is, is their, their first round picks. Their first that's round. It. That's exactly. like Kiefer Bellows is, is you need to look at him as more of a uh, complimentary piece and uh, than anything else. So uh, right. that, yeah, that's a problem. The Islanders just don't, they don't have that, um, uh, that that like prized prospect but that's not even really a huge thing in the nhl like like think about it's pretty rare for for these prospects like to be traded in a salary cap world like eric brandstrom uh when he was traded from vegas to ottawa everyone's like that he was the big piece but he's he's been good but he's not like a star he's not what what should turn into mark stone so it's just like people are i think people are very uh uh, wary of 
of tr- trading for a prospect as the as like the crown jewel of a package, which which is I guess you know why we're seeing Beauvillier Islander fans knowing <laughs> that and saying like oh well you know Beauvillier will be the guy and uh, as as we were saying before the show he's he's the new Bailey even though there still is Josh Bailey is still jo- yeah. <laughs> the old Josh Bailey. Please stop trying to trade Josh Bailey. Josh Bailey's not getting his anywhere in a trade. We've been over this. We've been over this for about six years now. I, I, that's a great like that'd be a fun thing to do or someone to do with good connections to uh, Garth Snow is be like, how close were you ever to trading Josh Bailey? Because <laughs> let me tell you something: New York Islander fans were close to trading him every day for <laughs> since two thousand nine, whenever he was drafted. Two thousand eight, when he was drafted, he's been close to being traded. So yeah. I would I would love to know. I would really love to know how close he's been. I do feel like every team has that guy. Like, you know, we've just seen the Flyers three times. And uh, the best part of any Flyers game is I get to go on a podcast with my friend Kelly at Broad Street Hockey. And we talk about that. And you'd be surprised at how, you know, how there's an analog for everything. Like we always, we were joking about how everybody, everybody feels that their team is the one that always gives up some guy's first career goal, his first career shutout, his first win and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I would be, so I bet every team has that guy that was always, this is the guy, you know, oh, yeah, we got to throw him in. Nobody wants it. Like, and they end up staying there forever. Like, I'm sure that there have been a ton of, you know, trade proposals for, like, you know, I guess Gostas Bay would probably be for the Flyers just to pull out a, a name, you know. But he's still there. Like, he's not going. He's He hasn't gone there yet. So he's still there. But, uh, yeah, I just, um, you know, the Islanders don't have a whole lot of shkarol. They don't have a whole lot of capital to to move around. And so I think we need to be uh, kind of measured in, in our um, – you know, hopes, but at the same time, I know the other thing too is like I wonder how much how much is a first round pick this year even worth? Like these guys are all doing a lot of video scouting. You know, I wonder if a lot of second a lot of picks for next year are going to move. I think I think a good thing is that the, the I don't think that the there's a huge difference in where the Islanders will be picking and where like you know the sixth overall pick, let's say, which is good, right? So it's like basically it's not it's not a huge deal if if it's you know they're picking late in the in the first round because you know if if someone's a first round talent, it's probably established by now. You just don't know where they'd fit in that first thirty one players. Uh, so it's 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 you're basically just kind of closing your eyes and picking from a pool a po- small pool of really really talented seventeen year old kids to, to right. and, and hoping yours is the one. And, and the more the more tickets that you acquire, the better chances one of them turns into uh, you know a Matt Barzell or Eric Carlson in like the middle of a first round, but. Uh, yeah, it, it, but th- th- that does also complicate things too. Like do, we don't, we just found out that the, the there is talk. I I love that the uh, I'm, I I I was really really trying not hard hard not to make fun of the media or the Canadian media, but th- I love that there this episode because we just do it so much. But I can't let this go with uh, that. Basically, there was this contingent of Canadian writers who wanted to do two drafts in a row. Um, and like they were pushing the idea and I guess there was like a little bit of traction behind it, but the reason that they wanted to do it was because they wanted to turn out, turn like the draft weekend, the next draft weekend into this, this big party for them all in, in Montreal. Like they were all making jokes like, oh, we'll be at Stogie's all, all night. Like the night before, imagine, imagine a whole two drafts. Like it'll be like six days in Montreal. That'll be great for us. Like, yeah, that's what, that's what the league's thinking when they're making these decisions like let's make sure we can <laughs> these guys could have a good time in whatever city we're in but they're just they're out of their minds where did but you where did you see that elliot freeman said that they were gonna do they were thinking about doing two drafts in a row uh it would be the 20 the 2021 draft and the 2022 draft would both be next year next summer uh in the same you know four-day stretch uh and, and he had this this vision of uh it being like a big hockey festival it was yeah, i think he was talking about this in one of the 31 thoughts podcasts from before the season. Um, oh. Yeah. And he, like they were talking about the draft or whatever, but yeah, but the point being that th- nobody knows what this draft is really going to look like or, or yield uh, especially compared to other ones. So that, that does like throw other things into question. So it's, it's gonna, it's going to be strange, but it like, it's, it's fun to hear that the Islanders, and this was like last year. And also like Lou Lamarillo did a great job at, last year at the deadline like he got jg pageau like so but that's that's great like if he can do that again if he can find find the right fit again uh we should believe in that in that at least and it's great that it's the islanders and like the leafs are like the two quote-unquote like big buyers right now in the market Mm. so uh you know that there's definitely some animosity there still uh 
<laughs> with Lou and then his old regime. So I'm, I'm sure that if, uh, you know, he's, he's spoken to David Poyle, he said like, look, if you're going to trade Philip Forsberg to M- Toronto, you call me first and you make sure that I, I can, I can try to match or I'll let you go. I'll let you, I'll let them, you know, overpay the, for him. The uh, majority of the animosity right now, I think is between Steve Simmons and the Maple Leafs captain. Uh, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, I'll throw a link in the uh, the article for this podcast, and you can read all about it and laugh and laugh because it's very funny. Even though it's Steve Simmons, it's yeah. Funny. Well, but but it's that's that's the world, you know. When decisions like the one that that guy made yeah. uh, turn your world upside down, and our new mm-hmm. world without him is that st- we like Steve Stim- Steve Simmons. <laughs> so I know. Go figure. Yeah, this guy wouldn't. He wouldn't piss on Manassau Coliseum if he was on fire. Meanwhile, he's like our best friend now. Every couple of weeks, he turns in something that's like, man, Steve Simmons is awesome. You know? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so so we'll have to see where that goes. I, I don't know. I don't think Philip Forsberg is going anywhere, but I did. Uh, I will admit that I did look up. Wait a minute. When he was traded from the Caps, was Barry Trotz the coach? And he was not. He was actually tra- He was actually still coaching the Predators at the time and didn't give – Forsberg a whole lot of games in the NHL. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't, he's another guy with term that would be great, but I don't think he's coming here. So uh, yeah, so we'll just have to kind of wait and see, see where it goes, see who ends up here. I'm sure Lou is working the phones and, and talking to everybody as, as he always does. And uh, we'll see, like you said, it's a good point. Last year he got the right guy who's still here and, you know, paid the price, but you know what? I think they're, you know, we could all say they're a better team with JG Pajot yeah. on it. So. I think that's, that's the right way to look at it. It's like, if, if, if he and Barry Trotz identify someone, they're going to, they'll pay for it. Like they'll, they'll get, they'll, whatever the package that needs to be traded for JG Pajot was traded for him and look at where it got us. So um, it's, it's, that's, that's what's great about this. And uh, the other good thing is like the Islanders have bought themselves time to, to kind of, like you said, like sit out the market a little bit and, and uh, make that Sebastian Kohlberg trade. And, and a big part of that is because of like the rise of Oliver Wallstrom and the, just the way the team's playing in general, like the, they, they have, there's no reason to panic and be like, we need to rescue the season. Like, like last year when, <laughs> uh, you know, they, they similarly were, were well positioned and then forgot to score. And then uh, Andy Green and JG Peugeot were traded for, and then the world stopped. But um, the, like there's, they have, there's no you know pressing need right now. Uh, to, to go out and just like hit a panic button and get Kyle Palmieri and like they can they can wait and they can relax and and let the kind of chips fall where they may but you know as fans we, we're fans we we want to see action and uh so if if something big happens tomorrow that'd be great mm, yep we shall see we have until the, the 12th of April to to sit on on the edge of our seats yeah uh, but, except so. for the other thing you keep hearing from up north is Kyle Dubas is he's going to do something quick because he knows the quarantine rules it's like they're just like nudging him like mm. hey Kyle did you know that your player needs to quarantine for 14 days after he gets traded you might want to make a trade soon so we can talk <laughs> about it like please do it I mean, they don't need to make a trade. Jack Campbell is here to save the yeah, season. Jack so, yeah, he's backup goalie wins two in a row. But like, it's like being the, the backup quarterback for the uh, the Packers, right? Or whoever it was. There's always a there's a thing like the, oh no, it was that I think, it was, I think it was the Eagles. Like you know, what's the best job? It's backup goalie for the Red Wings and backup quarterback for the Eagles because everybody's you're the superstar. Everybody loves you, you know, because you're the guy who's going to save them from from themselves, and it always works out. <laughs> I guess it worked out for Nick Foles, but other than that, it hasn't worked out for too many other guys. So, all right. Yeah. So we'll have to see what happens. Um, I completely forgot before. Don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Put your Twitter handle in the review itself so that you can enter for a chance to win some eBay swag. We've only got a couple this month, so the lanes are wide open. And if you've already <laughs> sent one in, please don't send in any more. <laughs> like, you know, we, I know it's a contest. We're all having fun here, but like, let's try and get some other people uh, a chance to win. But all you got to do, leave us a review. Hopefully it's a good one and put your Twitter handle in there or even your Instagram handle or whatever. And uh, we'll find you and uh, we'll put your name in a virtual hat and see if uh, it comes out. And maybe you can win some cool eBay stuff. Yeah, we did. Uh, uh, we have, uh, we've had two winners. One of whom has yet to respond. That's Mikey Colarco. I'm trying to send you some some eBay swag, so so reach out to me so I can send it to you. I don't I don't know where you live, so I gotta I can't just guess. Uh, so if you if you uh, hear this, please please respond. And um, but Carl Misitano, who won our first one, our inaugural 
giveaway sent me a great picture. I should I'll send it to you so you can post oh. it. it. It was I don't want to I don't want I don't know if I should spoil the surprise of what it was for the for oh the, boy for, for yeah, the no. listener. But no, but yeah, please. So if you're hearing this, go to lighthousehockey.com, read the article, and you'll see uh, what he won, which is pretty cool. Oh boy, I, I don't even know. I'll be honest, I don't even know what it was. So I can't wait to hear it and see the picture. So thank you very much, Carl, for the picture. And thanks, Mike, for doing that. Uh, what's your Twitter handle again? Uh, the Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at The Big Lebowski with two E's. You can follow me at Culture of Losing. Read Lighthouse Hockey every single day. Listen to PT Isles with Joe and Noel. They had a great one last week. It was a lot of fun uh, talking about how uh, memorabilia changes an awful lot when you get older. And uh, I definitely hear everything they were saying about uh, having hockey jerseys, having a closet full of hockey jerseys, and then all of a sudden being like, I'm not wearing any of these. Why do I still own these? <laughs> it, it well, I'm in that phase right now. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm like, I'm considering going in on a, a Lubomir Viznovsky. Uh, I was going to say jersey. So did you buy that? Oh, you haven't not yet. It. I'm, I'm thinking about it because like I, 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 I do want it, but I kind of like if I kind of want a Lubo Islanders jersey too. And mm. Then all of a sudden, you know, I'll have I don't know. I'll probably buy it. I had the uh, I had a jersey. And I can't, I lost it. Well, after July uh, 1st, 2018, all of my Islanders t-shirts disappeared. I don't remember what happened that day. I mean, they must've been all abducted by, by aliens who needed clothes to blend in, to walk the earth uh, undetected. Um, and, and I don't know where they all went. I had a Strite. I had a Visnovsky. I had a Hosang. I don't know where my, my Hosang jersey went, but uh, I got to find them. But anyway, uh, yeah. So uh Thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. Big week coming up. It could be a game on Thursday. We don't know. Uh, Best of luck to all the Islander, Noah Dobson, and uh, any of the Bruins that are on the COVID list. So we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, Saturday in Pittsburgh, though, is still on. uh, So that's a huge one. The Penguins aren't going away, uh, even without Evgeny Malkin, who's week to week. So uh, that's a big one. And uh, we'll be back sometime. Then they play the Penguins again on Monday. So probably uh, record again next Tuesday. But uh, we'll be back again after that. Uh, Thanks a lot. And we'll talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye.